0: Chapter twenty eight of the Lady's Mile. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Lady's Mile by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Were all thy letters sons? I could not see. While the butterflies of fashion enjoyed the bright summer time, and brazen bands brayed their loudest in horticultural gardens and foreign glee singers carolled in every imaginable european language at morning concerts and lawn parties william crawford shut himself in his painting-room and worked as he had never worked since the old days in buckingham street when the world had yet to learn that there was a painter called crawford he had nothing left him now but his art he reminded himself of that fact very often as he stood before his easel in the balmy summer weather while suburban butterflies wheeled above his roses and a suburban bee boomed and bounced against the old stained glass in his bay window time had been when the painter had found his art more than sufficient for his life and when his chief regret had been that life was not long enough for art but the elegant siren of the hermitage had disturbed the even current of his existence and it was in vain that he tried to coax the stream back into its old course i begin to think that i shall never paint another picture he said to himself after abandoning more than one design in despair i make sketch after sketch but my ideas lose their freshness before i am ready to begin upon my large canvas have i lost my love for art in loving her or what is this restless feverish uncertainty which takes the power out of my hand i will not be the slave of this folly i have outlived bitterer sorrows than the loss of mrs champernown's society i live down the trouble of my young wife's death i survived ten years of perpetual failure and disappointment and am i to succumb at the very last because a woman is selfish and heartless no i will forget georgina Champernowne. i will paint a better picture than i have ever painted yet after arriving at this resolution mr crawford abandoned his brushes and palette for one entire day and shut himself in his library he took down his favorite volumes the sweet familiar stories of the greek fairyland and all the lovely images which had made the brightest dreams of his inspired boyhood came back to him and floated around him once more in spite of mrs his psyche's enchanting face bent over him as he sat dreaming in the drowsy summer noon his cupid peered at him in all the godlike beauty of immortal youth and innumerable nymphs innumerable sirens filled the room with their aerial loveliness he went back to his painting-room the next morning with new enthusiasm and with all the details of his picture fully developed in his mind come my divinity he cried come my bright incarnation of the immortal soul and put to flight all earthly follies by your divine presence as I am a man and a painter, I will forget you, Mrs. Champernowne, and my new picture shall plant me a round higher on the glorious ladder. From the beginning of May to the end of July, William Crawford worked incessantly at the large canvas which he had set up for himself in his despair. No hand but his own had any part in the work, for he was possessed with a feverish delight in his labor which he had never even in his most industrious days felt before he worked all through the long summer days by good lights and bad lights entering his painting-room at eight o'clock in the morning rarely to leave it till seven in the evening he took his hasty meals in that tapestried chamber amongst the black oak cabinets and trailing draperies the servants at the fountains remarked the change in their master's habits and talk gravely of his haggard face and restless impatient manner he used to be the best of tempers said the painter's man of all work but now it's as much as you can do to open your mouth without getting your nose snapped off which the young person that comes to sit for his fisky says his tempers about her attitudes is some think awful and that he's got no more consideration for her elbow-joints than if she was his wooden dummy which i am sure up to two or three months back there wasn't a pleasanter gentleman or a better master than mr crawford it is good for a mortal to be reminded of his mortality at that moment when his yearnings towards a brighter universe have lifted him away from his dull earth and are wafting him towards that serener region in which dwell the perfect images of his fancy there are limits beyond which no man can go and during the last three months of his life william crawford had been trying to overstep those limits in the hope of forgetting the woman he loved he had thrown himself into his work with a burning eagerness for success that was dangerous to him alike as a man and an artist if other men work six hours a day i will work twelve he thought i have nothing to live for now but my work this was the refrain of his life nowadays what had he to live for but his art and if he did not do great things in that what purpose was there left for his existence the subject of his now picture was only another chapter in his favorite fable the story of psyche she lay asleep under a tent with the young god by her side sleeping like herself divinely innocent in the unconsciousness of slumber a crowd of zephyrs holding one another by the hand have come to peep at the sleeping lovers they float on a wandering ray of moonlight they hover in aerial circles about the lovely sleepers never had william crawford achieved a greater triumph than in the creation of these erythral beings transparent as water-drops against a moonlit sky with sweet arch faces and gauzy wings and the slumbering psyche with her fair infantine face and her veil of pale golden hair and the divine moonlight and the mysterious depths of cool shadow every detail of the picture was a triumph and as the work neared its completion the painter began to feel that he had at least surpassed himself when sheridan was slow to write a new comedy they said he was afraid of the author of the school for scandal and people have declared that i should never equal the painter of the aspasia but i think i have beaten the aspasia at last mused mr crawford as he stood before his easel and pondered on the aerial charms of his zephyrs he had worked by bad lights and good lights in sunshine and shadow he had grappled with and mastered the difficulties to which he had been wont to succumb now content with doubling the daily hours of his labor he had worked at his background at night there had been no reason for his abnormal industry except his own restlessness but that restlessness was unconquerable the intoxication of success took possession of him and he allowed himself neither pause nor respite there came a time when under any other phase of circumstances he would have laid down his palette and left his painting room there came a time when he felt that his sight was beginning to suffer from unwonted use but still he went on i can rest as long as i like when my zephyrs are finished he said to himself if i were to leave my picture, i might lose the freshness of my ideas i might even take a disgust for my lovely psyche so the painter held on steadily in spite of a curious languor which made his eyelids heavy and an occasional visitation from a strange throbbing pain above his eyebrows he went on promising himself a consultation with some distinguished oculist and a long rest when his psyche and the zephyrs was finished he continued his work with unrelenting industry indomitable determination but there were moments in which the beautiful faces upon his canvas disappeared suddenly behind a dazzling mist until he was fain to lay down his brushes and walk up and down the room for a little while while with his hands before his tired eyes it was the middle of august and the picture wanted little more than a week's work for its completion when the painter yielded for the first time to that languid feeling in the eyelids and abandoned his work in order to indulge in a brief siesta all the clocks of kensington had just struck three and the vibration of the different chimes came floating across the painter's garden it was an almost insupportable summer day sultry and oppressive the day of all others on which the hardest worker is apt to be seized with a distaste for his labor it's no use said mr crawford as he gave a last look at his canvas i can scarcely see the colors i am using i can't stand against this drowsiness any longer he threw himself upon a sofa a noble couch of strictly classic form upon which had erst reclined aspasia the wise and beautiful or at any rate the dark-haired model who had sat for the grecian beauty that maligned enchantress who sinned against poetry by descending from a pericles to a cattle-dealer the painter fell asleep almost immediately but for some time after he had lain down he had a dim consciousness of pain above his eyebrows by and by however the slumber grew deeper he had no longer heard the bees humming in his roses the subdued roll of distant wheels he fell into a long dreamless sleep from which he awoke at last very suddenly with a feeling that he had slept for many hours he had slept for a very long time as it seemed for it was quite dark when he awoke no more work to-day he thought with a sigh i counted on getting an hour between five and six why hasn't diamond lighted my lamps the painter groped his way to the bell and rang violently what a night he muttered there must be a storm brewing i haven't known it as dark as this all the summer he stood by the mantelpiece waiting the window was opposite him and he felt the warm summer air floating in upon where he stood but he could not even define the broad opening of the window through the profound darkness lights diamond he said impatiently as the man opened the door lights sir yes of course why have you left the lamps till this time why isn't that passage lighted but it's so early sir not much after five and such a bright afternoon i didn't think you'd like me to light the gas yet a while not much after five o'clock repeated the painter in a tone of utter stupefaction no sir just a quarter past by your own clock sir and a bright afternoon he asked in the same tone well of course sir i don't presume to say as regards painting but in a general way a very bright afternoon oh my god cried the painter suddenly the servant ran to his master alarmed by that sudden exclamation which sounded like a cry of agony is there anything the matter sir no go go and get me a cab immediately i must go out and i shall want you to go with me me sir yes you sir go at once man for god's sake and lose no time about it the servant departed in bewilderment of mind and william crawford groped his way through the outer darkness to the nearest chair he sunk into the chair covered his face with his hands and burst into tears blind he cried blind blind i said i had nothing but my art and now my art is lost to me he sat with his head bent forward on his breast staring hopelessly into the darkness strain his eyeballs as he might they could not pierce that darkness he saw no psyche in the zephyrs no lovely images created by his hand no bright glimpse of summer sunshine on the smooth green lawn no changing light upon the summer flowers no tender shadows from the grand old cedars only darkness utter darkness beyond which it might be that his eyes were never again to penetrate cab sir said the man presenting himself in the doorway come here diamond william crawford said very quietly come close to me and give me your arm please i beg your pardon if i was impatient just now but i have had a great shock i have been working too hard lately and I have injured my sight God only knows whether the injury is to be a lasting one. But for the moment I am quite blind. I think perhaps I shall manage better if you give me your hand to lead me to the cab. I must go at once to an oculist, and I shall want you to go with me. End of chapter 28